few words of his was for a few minutes. I'm not from those who believe that Tisha B'Av is a time for studying. Tisha B'Av is a time for saying and for feeling. But a few words, just by way of his was just to read, just to read a little bit from what the tzaddikim said. So we should have a certain kind of a frame of mind, framework of thinking, to enter into the yontiv. It's a famous thing that's found in the Siddur of Yaakov Emden. Yaakov Emden's Siddur, Tisha B'Av, So Yaakov Emden writes, and keep in mind when he was writing this, we're talking about, we're talking about 250 years ago. Rabbi Yaakov Emden says that this would be the only sin that we've ever done. If the only sin that the Jewish people were guilty of is that we were not mourning properly over the destruction of Yerushalayim. This would be a reason. This would be reason enough for the length to explain the length of our goals. If we had done nothing else wrong, this only was. This is the only thing that was lacking in our lives that we weren't mourning over the churban. This would be enough. And the Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes, and in my eyes, this is the most obvious, most powerful and revealed reason. For the horrible, horrible massacres that cause one to go insane with the suffering of the Jewish people. That have befallen the Jewish people in all the places of our exile. Al Tzavarenu near Dafnu, that were continuously being pursued. We haven't even had a moment to rest in our low state among the Goyim. Our misery and our suffering, our oppression. So Rabbi Yankov says, because this Avelus. This morning of Yushalayim has left our hearts. We find ourselves peacefully resting in a land that, in lands that do not belong to us, that they're not ours. And we have forgotten Yushalayim and it doesn't enter into our hearts. So Yakimemet says that because we've forgotten Yushalayim, therefore we are forgotten. We seem to be abandoned by Kodesh Baruch because we have forgotten Yerushalayim. When each generation is more misery and more suffering. Rabbi Yaakov says, whoever is a person that is truthful and will admit to the truth will agree with what I'm saying. It's a frightening thing that Tefer Shloimeh from Shloimler Radomsker. The Tver Shloimler says at the end of Parshish Masai, <clears throat> you know that the tribe of Yosef came and they were asking that that they said that, that there shouldn't be a confusion, that one shaved, one tribe shouldn't be mixed up in, its, in the wrong place, that there should be a clear demarcation between each property, each territory of every tribe, of every shaved. 
And Yosef Befrat, Davka, the tribe of Yosef, was worried that perhaps something is going to go wrong, that maybe there's going to be one tribe trespassing the area of another tribe. And then it says, it says, Then it says afterwards, first it says that they were worried that there shouldn't be any transference of, of property from one tribe to another tribe. But then it says, first it says, it says, that it shouldn't go from one place to another place. So he brings there, why, is, why does it say twice? Yosef, the children of Yosef already said, we're afraid that there shouldn't be a transference of property from one tribe to another tribe. Why say from one tribe to another, to someplace else? So I think that this small thing here from Tefer Shlomi, you'll forgive me five minutes. I think that the Tefer Shlomi here is speaking with Ruach HaKadosh about the matzav that we're now in. Every Jew has to be filled, the heart of every Jew has to be filled with a deep longing for the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. And it says in the Norvegian, that there is no one who is seeking Yushalayim Tzion. Mechlal the Gemara says the boy Trisha. Mechlal that Yushalayim is a place that one must continuously seek. And if we want Mashiach to come, it's the chukah itself, our longing for Mashiach, our desire for Mashiach itself, that desire and that longing brings Mashiach. Look how the Torah is so strict. How the children of Yosef, remember that the brach of Yosef was the brach of Eretz Yisrael, right? In the Torah? The brach of Yosef, the blessing of Yosef was the blessing for Eretz Yisrael. Yosef was the only child who was sent away from Eretz Yisrael. Yosef was the one who lived in a place of filth and was longing to return. Therefore, Tzvashleimah says that the Torah is so careful and Yosef, the children of Yosef came and said, we, very, we want very much that Eretz Yisrael should be given out properly. That it shouldn't be any part of Eretz Yisrael to the wrong shavit. So the Shlomo says, so you see how careful the Torah was that every part of Eretz Yisrael should belong to that shavit, whose root, the root of that soul of that shavit should be davke, connected to that particular nachla, that portion. Now listen to these words. So he says, You could ask, what difference does it make? So let's say Yosef's territory crosses a little bit here. So let's say Benyamin's is here and Yehuda's there and Naphtali. So what? She says, no, it's Pida Torah The Torah is very strict because every Shevet has its place in Israel. And how much more so nowadays, he says, that the whole Eretz Israel is under the control of the Arabs, <coughs> under the Yishmaelim. And strangers have taken away from us our land. We are sure, and they've inherited it. He brings the Pasuk and Tehillim. They made Yushalayim, they destroyed Yushalayim. Everybody should tear his heart. To scream, to awaken compassion and mercy for the love of Eretz Yisrael. That all Jews should return to Yushalayim. 
And he says, that if this chuk, if this longing will be be'emes, in truth, from the depths of the heart, that a person will be truly said, be'emes, for the honor and the glory and the sake of the Eretz of Yisrael, the Eretz HaKadoshah, that we have to see in every single picture of Yerushalayim and of the Zara and the Harabayas, that we have Rishoyim who are, Rishoyim who are in charge of, the, of our land, who are dividing up Eretz Yisrael and want to give away every single place in the Eretz HaKadoshah to our enemies, to the Goyim. It says in Pasuk, to ask, to seek, to, to long for the peace of Yushalayim. And Ali, they came only by seeking and longing and wanting Yushalayim. Will those who love Yushalayim eventually dwell there in peace? And he says, that's the Pshat and Pasuk. <clears throat> that it's called, that the, that the place of Eretz Yisrael in the Beis HaMikdash is called Dvir Beisecha, Loshon Dibur. The word Dvir Beisecha, the dwelling place of Hashem's home. Dvir, the Rebbe says, comes from the word Dibur, which means to speak. And if a person really wants the Mashiach, if a person really wants Geula, then we have to speak continuously about Eretz Yisrael, Tzorach Levakish, and Hashem is Baruch HaLovli, Hibonish B'mheira. And only the person who was misabal on Yushalayim can be worthy. Only the person who was mourning over Yushalayim can be worthy. will be zayich to see the necham of Yushalayim. And that's how he says this: the pshat and pasuk that first Bnei Yosef came and said that the, that the that the there shouldn't be any transfers of our property to a different shevet. And then they said there shouldn't be any transfers of property to anybody else. And the second request, the tefillah of the Bnei Yosef, who loved Eretz Yisrael, was, Rabbi Shalom, don't let any part of Eretz Yisrael go, God forbid, to our enemies. <clears throat> and the way for us to take the Harabais, to take it away from our enemies, and to bring back all of Eretz Yisrael, to Klai Yisrael, and to be Zorchi for the Gula Shlema, is through Tishabav. Is through the remembrance of that Avelus, that old Avelus of Eretz Yisrael. And because that, because the we should be zayichet to see the Necham of Yushalayim. Therefore, we understand that really Tishbav has underneath Tishbav, beneath the surface of Tishbav, there's a Meridik Yontiv. There's a Yontiv because at least on Tishbav we feel the pain. And Rabbi Yaakov Emden was right the whole year, but on Tishbav, Rabbi Yaakov Emden has to be minded that every Jew goes to Tishbav and at least for a moment feels the pain of Golis. And because that moment and that hour, that day of pain that we feel Tishbov, through that will be worthy, Mitzvah to be Zorich, to see the Gula Ashleima, that all the Makarmas and should stay with Klai Yisrael. And Mashiach should come to take away the Rishoyim from Eretz Yisrael, our enemies from Eretz Yisrael, we should be Zorich for the Gula Ashleima of Akreva, Amitis Bimheira, Amen. Rabbi Sai, I want to say one thing. It says that if you look in Eicha, that we are compared, we are like a widow. We are like a widow. So Chazal say that because we were not polish with our chait, which means that the sin of the Jewish people was not through and through. 
It wasn't meant to be complete. Therefore, Kajbaruch Hashem, when he describes the Jewish people, he says, Haisa ki'almana, like a widow. And it says in the Novi that, we, that Hashem appears to us like an enemy. But not chasashol mamish an enemy. Why is that? So Chazal is saying that when the Jewish people sin, when we, did our, when we do our various, we don't do them belayv shalom. We don't do them <clears throat> through and through with our heart. We don't mean it completely. There's a part of us that doesn't want to do the Aveira. And because of that part of us that does not want to do the Aveira, the punishment that Hashem carries out upon us is also not complete. It's Ki Almana. Like it says in the Torah, We were like those who were ungrateful, like those who were complaining. So Hashem, Mida Keneged Mida, whenever He punishes us, Lo Aleinu, it's not complete. When a Jewish person does an Aveir, he doesn't mean it with all of his heart. And because he doesn't mean it with all of his heart, therefore, Akash Baruch, when he punishes us, he punishes us in an incomplete way, the same way that when a Jew sins, it's an incomplete sin. Like we spoke about once before, that it says, Chazal tells us that every time a Jew does an Aveir, he creates a Malach, he creates, he creates a force of impurity. So the Tzaddikim say that every Malach that a Jew ever created with his sins, is this one is missing an arm. This one's missing a leg, this one's blind, this one's deaf, this one's mute. Because when a person doesn't have he doesn't do it completely with all of his heart. It's not from one end to the other end. It's an incomplete chayt. Therefore, the punishment is also in such a way that it's not chalila complete. And that's how we understand, we can understand, by the way, the whole mice and the Gemara, the famous story of Kamsa and Bar-Kamsa, which I'm not going to go over the story now, the famous Gemara and Gittin of Kamsa and Bar-Kamsa, it took place at a certain at a certain party that Kamsa really was looking that there was a person who was really looking for for, for Bar Kamsa and it was a mistake and it was a mix up in the name and the wrong person was brought and everybody knows that that the person was so embarrassed that he offered to pay for the meal for half his meal then for his entire meal and he offered to pay for the whole suda for everybody but the the Balsimcha couldn't stand it the Balsimcha told him he has to leave and he was forced to leave in humiliation. And the Chacham sat there and were silent. They were silent. They watched this humiliation take place. And the Almighty happened with the Kamsa Bar Kamsa that he went and eventually, as a result of his humiliation, he brought about the Chorban, the destruction of Yushalayim. So I was thinking of the story. If you think about it, it's an amazing thing. The Balsimcha couldn't be Michael. The Balsimcha was enough. The guy wanted to pay for any of the Suda. He wanted to pay for the whole meal for all the guests. And he couldn't be Michael, the Balsimcha. And then the person was humiliated, all right, he was humiliated, it was terrible. But he had to go and bring about, he had to go be and he had to get the Jews in trouble. He couldn't be satisfied with anything less. So you see that in that story the Gemara is telling us, there's such a meter, God forbid, by a person, where the chait is, he doesn't leave behind one part of the chait. He does the sin completely through and through. And the result of that chait is that it brought Lo'alein of the Chorban. That it brought such a punishment that appeared since that day that Kashbaruch Khalil has abandoned us. Nevertheless, the Pasik of the first, the, the whole Eicha ends, we end it in a good way. It says, Ki imois maastonu katsafta leinu admaoi. that Hashem has utterly rejected us. And if you have already raged sufficiently against us, so that we end in a good way, we say, Ashivainu Hashem Alecha. Hashem bring us back to you, and we will return to you. Renew our days as of old. So the teaching of the Kedushas Levi, of the Bedit Shabarov, that he said that the end of Eicha is really not in a, on a low note. The, the Kedushas Levi said 
that there is such a thing as a person who divorces his wife <coughs> because because for whatever reason she no longer was favorable in his eyes. They're having a problem. So the din is in such a case that if they were divorced, that as long as there's nobody in between the din is that he could bring her back, they could be remarried. But another reason for divorce, the Gemara tells us, it's in the Torah, that if there was unfaithfulness in the marriage, and if there's unfaithfulness, then he can never take her back. So he's ending, so the Bidichva says that this is the meaning of the end of Eicha. Hashem, if you're disgusted with us, that means if we no longer might say, we no longer are beautiful in your eyes. If we've lost our beauty, if, you're, if, you're, if we're so ugly in your eyes, you've showed us enough anger. But because you've only been angry at us because we're disgusting in your eyes, but not chasasholm, that we've been unfaithful. For all the years of our suffering, we have not been unfaithful. And those of us who are still sitting here and saying, Eicha, have not been unfaithful to Hashem. So the B'dishim says that because of that, HaGosh you can take us back. Only a wife who was, who was rejected because, God forbid, she was unfaithful. Only such a wife cannot be returned. But if the wife was just no longer appealing to the husband, if Khalila, there's something wrong in the relationship, so the Navi saying is, It's enough. <clears throat> they say that there was a mice I once told you from the Kosh Samagid. This is an upsetting story. There's a mice in Kosh Samagid that <clears throat> a woman comes into the Maggid and the Kush of the Maggid didn't look up and the woman is crying that her husband she's crying that her husband left her so the Maggid asked why did why did he leave you so she said he told me that I'm ugly that I'm disgusting so the Maggid hadn't looked at her so he said well, maybe it's true maybe it's true that you're ugly which would have been an insult had he looked at her but he never looked at her he said maybe it's not true so she was crying, she says, they say you're such a big tzaddi, you're such a big rabbi, you don't know anything. Because it wasn't so long ago that we were married, and he told me that I was the most beautiful person in the world, and I know for sure that under the chuppah, I know for sure that he thought I was beautiful. I could tell in it, by the look in his eyes that I was beautiful. So the Kosh Zemagad heard this, and he threw his head back for a long time in Dveikas, in, in very deep thought. And then afterwards... He was crying and he gave her a brach. He said, you'll see that your husband will come back to you, Bez Hashem. You're right. Your husband will come back to you. And after the woman left, so his son, the Bermai Yushe, asked his father, what, what was the whole thing that happened? So Kuzumagin said, I was thinking that maybe when she said such a thing, that maybe it means, I was thinking that maybe Khalilah were ugly in the Bani Shalom's eyes. But then the woman reminded me, she said, I'm not a Rebbe, I'm not a Tzaddik. Because by Harsinai, the Jewish people, the Jewish people were beautiful in Hashem's eyes, and it wasn't so long ago that we read Sefer that we read Megillah Shirim, and the whole Shirim is telling us, the Rambam is telling us how beautiful we are. Your father said so that we're the most beautiful in the world. We're perfect. We're beautiful, and it can't be that we're ugly. It can't be that Akedekach we become so ugly in his eyes. The male of the end of Eichas with great hope. The end of Eicha is ki imayis mastanu. That if, you, if we haven't been appealing in your eyes, it's already enough with your anger. And you have, we haven't been unfaithful to you. We've been loyal to you. We have to say the kingdom from Moshe Shabbos.
if the Umdashul is named, lived in that time the destruction of the ghetto. And his tires that he gave, I'm going to read to you an English translation from one of the last tires that he gave when the ghetto was being destroyed. He says, when we hear the voices of young and old crying out on the torture, crying out, Rativit, Rativit, help, save. We know that this is their soul's cry and the cry of all our souls to God, the compassionate Father, help, help, Rativit, while the breath of life is still within us. The Piazzesna says, it is indeed incredible that the world exists after so many screams. We are told that regarding the ten martyrs, the Esaruge Malchus, the angels cried, is this the Torah and is this its reward? Whereupon a voice answered from heaven. Hashem said, if I hear another sound, I will turn the world back to water. But now innocent children, the Rebbe says, but now innocent children, pure angels as well as adults, the saintly of Israel, are killed and slaughtered just because they are Jews who are greater than angels. They fill the entire space of the universe with these cries. And the world does not turn back to water, but remains in place as if, God forbid, he remained untouched. These, this is the call of the Eish of the Piazetzna from Emunah, from faith, that how could a Kosh el-Demosi, al-Tachrash, how could a Kosh remain kivyochel, deaf to the crying, to the tears of Knesset Yisrael for all these years? <clears throat> Chazal tell us, brings the Maisev from Amagamliel. The Gemara brings the Maisev from Amagamliel and the Posig Bochis, Sivka Belayla. Why does it say that we cried at night? So Rashi brings down there, So when a person cries at night, whoever hears the person crying cries together with him. So they. <clears throat> It's brought down in the Medrash and the Gemara Maisa Bisha Akashahisa Bishkanosha Sharabin Gamliel. There was a certain woman who lived in the neighborhood of Rabban Gamliel. Bahoyla Ben Umais. And this woman had a son who died. It doesn't sound like it was Davka because of the Khurban, a child that died, and this woman was crying at night. And Rabbi Gamliel heard her cries over her child, and he remembered the destruction of the Besamikdosh. And he cried together with her, until the eyelashes of Rabbi Gamliel fell out. So what does that mean? That means that Rabbi Gamliel, when he heard a mother crying over a child that died, he cried over the Chorban, because you and I don't realize that any God forbid any sorrow that we have, any problem that there's health, that God forbid a child is sick, when a bomb blows up in Israel, when Khalil is someone that we love dies, when someone loses Parnassah, when there's a problem with Shalom Bayes, every single problem that we have, Khalil in our lives, all comes back to the Churban Beis Amikdash, to the fact that the Shekhinah is no longer with us. And because the Shekhinah has left us in this way, Mimela, Rabbi Gamliel was crying, the woman was crying over the loss of a child. It was her own private crying, her own private sorrow and tears. Nevertheless, Rabbi Gamliel remembered the Chum Beis because he was telling us that Lamaisa, all crying comes from that place. All crying comes from the Chum Beis When we remember this, and when we remember the Kadosh Baruch Hu also cries, Mechazal tell us that Hashem is Baruch Hu Zbishosh, Kadosh Baruch Hu Zoycheh is Bonav Shishruyim Betzar, when Hashem remembers the suffering and the anguish of his children who are living among idolaters, so Chazal say, Marish, Teitmos, Liam Hagodel, 
Hashem cries two tears that fall into the great ocean. And the, and the crying of Hashem is heard from one end of the universe to the other. <clears throat> and this brings about earthquakes. So you can imagine that not only is, is Klai Yisrael crying the tears since that time, and we say, not to be deaf Khalila to our tears, but in a certain way, in a way that's hard for us to understand, the Rebbe is weeping together with Klai Yisrael. And for reasons that we've spoken about and that are beyond us, that the Gula hasn't yet come, HaKadosh Baruch Hu too is crying. And the night time is Davke, a time when a person is sensitive to this crying and hears this crying. We should be Zorichi Mitzvah to see that this capital of Bilal Zayiv Koyin V'yelilu Vonai should be changed, that this night will be a time of Simcha, of joy, and Umocha Hashem Elohim Dimum Me'al Kaponim Lo'ilam Vo'et. Shoimrain call T Tame is Suni Avaina, Laris Acharis is Suni Bonai. By way of by way of introduction to the by way of introduction to all the kinas. The first kina Shava Surumani Shimuni Ivrai. In the beginning of Kinas everything came to a standstill. This kina this kina describes the anguish of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's very fitting that we begin Kinnus in such a way. We've spoken about this many times, that, the, that a person can bear the thought of Hashem punishing him. A person can bear the thought of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being, judging him by Midas din But a person can't bear the thought that he's been completely abandoned, Khalilah, that he's been left alone. That's the worst thing, to think that you were just abandoned. There's nothing happening, there's no reason. Stam, it's tafkir, there's nothing happening. So Kadosh Baruch Hu describes here, the Kalir describes in this piyut, the anguish of Kadosh Baruch Hu, where it says a few lines down, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused the destruction and then regretted it. And he summoned Klai Yisrael to cry, And the Gemara, as I mentioned last night, is filled with places, sources, that indicate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, Kivyochel, is crying together with, is crying together with Knesset Yisrael. This idea of Ayinochim Hashem al-Arash Yadibar Lassus La'amoy that we have in the Laini. Ayinochim Hashem al-Arash Yadibar Lassus La'amoy that we lay by Mincha. That Hashem Kivyochel had regret, had remorse over what he had spoken to do. The difference is that here Hashem had regret and remorse over what he had done. So does that mean, Khalil, that Hashem did something that was wrong? Of course it can mean that Hashem did something that was wrong. And yet we see the Kashbar who expresses regret for what he has done. I want to read to you, as I try to do every year during the Kinas, to make it a little bit more contemporary for us to understand, since we're so far from the Chum Besamikdash and so difficult for people like us to understand. It's so difficult for people like us to understand what is it that, uh, what is it that happened by the Chum Besamikdash? The Pizetzna brings here 
that we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu observes the entire Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself keeps the Torah. Again, these are Torahs that were said, that were taught at the time of the destruction of the Warsaw Ghetto. And the Rebbe was trying to machazik, the Yidn was trying to machazik the people that they should be able to continue. So I'm going to read to you a small, just a small piece. Now the Jew who is tormented by his afflictions thinks that he, is alo- that he alone suffers. As if all his personal afflictions and those of all Yisrael do not affect God above, God forbid. The scripture states, however, in all their troubles he was troubled. Behold, Sarosim Loitzar. And the Gemara states, when a person suffers, what does the Shechina say? My head is too heavy for me. My arm is too heavy for me. Our sacred literature tells us that when a Jew is afflicted, God, blessed be he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, suffers, as it were, much more than the person does. It may be that since he, blessed be he, is not subject to any limitation for which reason no conception of him is possible in the world. Therefore, his suffering from his soul's troubles is also boundless. Notice the suffering that a Jew has, has a limit. There's a limit. Beyond that limit, the person, either he, God forbid, leaves the world or he loses his mind. But there's a limit to suffering. But the Rebbe says that a Baruch Hu, you should know, is ain't safe. He's limitless. He's without end. And because a Baruch Hu is without end, it's possible to say that his anguish and his grief, whatever that means, lamala above, is without end. It is not merely that it would be impossible for a person to endure the experience of such great suffering, but that even to conceive of his suffering, blessed be he, to know that he does suffer, to hear his voice, blessed be he, woe for I have destroyed my house and I have exiled my children, is impossible because he is beyond the confines of the human. If he brings the, he says further, this explains why the world remains standing on its foundation and it was not destroyed by God's cry of suffering over the afflictions of his people and the destruction of his house because his great suffering never penetrated the world. This may be what underlies the passage found. He brings from the Eicharab and the Medrash, when the Malach says, Sovereign of the universe, Rebbe Shalom, let me weep. But don't you weep. So the Malachim said to Hashem, don't you cry. The Malachim said, we will cry, but Hashem, you don't cry. Hashem replied to him, if you don't let me weep now, I will go to a place where you have no permission to enter and weep there. As scripture says, and my soul shall weep in secret. Now, since his suffering, as it were, is boundless and vaster than all the world, for which reason it has never penetrated the world. Now, it's because Hashem's crying, his suffering, his anguish over the Chorban is beyond our understanding. It's infinite. Therefore, it has never penetrated into the world. It's never penetrated into our lives. We're not sensitive to Hashem's anguish, to Hashem's suffering. And the world does not shudder from it. Therefore the angel said, let me weep so that you won't need to weep. In other words, the angel wanted the divine weeping to be manifested in the world. The angel wanted to transmit the weeping into the world. So what's happening here is the... The, the Malach is saying... The Malach is saying, let me cry. And what a Malach means is, is when the Hashgach HaPratis, as all the Mepharshim explained, to bring Hashem's... To bring a Baruch Hu's feelings and thoughts into our lives, into the world. That's the job of a malach. A malach is a shliach. 
So the Malach says to Hashem, Hashem, you don't cry, I will cry. The Malach is saying, I want to cry. Because if the Malach would cry, then Hashem's anguish would penetrate the world. If Hashem's anguish would penetrate the world and we would realize how much He suffers over the Chorban, then the world would literally be destroyed. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, says to the Malach, no, you can't cry. I have to go cry in a secret place. So the first thing we see here in this Kina is HaKadosh Baruch Hu empathizing with us. The belief that Hashem is crying in a secret place. The Mistarim Tivken Navshi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is crying in a, in a secret place. And we have to be sensitive to that and try to understand that He's empathizing with our suffering. Number one. Number two. The concept here in the Kina of Ayinach and Vayikra Levichia that HaKadosh Baruch Hu regretted what He had done. As if Kivyochel He regretted what He had done. So the Pizestna says this is one of the most radical and shocking terrorists in the entire Reish Kaidish. I mentioned it, I think, last year. The Rebbe said, we are taught that Hashem Himself observes the entire Torah. How then does He fulfill the mitzvah of tshuva, of repentance? We were taught by Chazal that Hashem keeps all the mitzvahs. So if Hashem keeps all the mitzvahs, how does He observe the mitzvah of doing tshuva? Since we hold, most we show Him hold that tshuva is a mitzvah, same with their eyes, so the Ramban is clear that tshuva is a mitzvah. In the Rambam, there are those who try to say that tshuva the Rambam is not a mitzvah. The Pashas and the Rambam is also a mitzvah from the Torah. So how does Hashem observe the mitzvah of tshuva? So when he repents, the Rebbe says, when, I, when he repents of the evil which he, heaven for friend, has sent his people Israel, or considered sending, that is kiviyochel, his repentance, his tshuva. But if this repentance were to be merely for the evil which was done, or which he intended to do, then Israel would continually remain in the same difficult situation in heaven for friend. For this would imply that he would only regret and repent of the evil which he intended to add. And Yisrael would remain in the same degraded states as we were before the most recent trouble began. This then is the import of the verse in Tehillim. So listen to how he says Pshat in Tehillim. It says, Shuvah Hashem Ad Mosai. Right? Shuvah Hashem Ad Mosai Vinachem Alabadechot. Sabeinim Abaykechazdechot. So the Rebbe says, Shuvah Hashem doesn't mean. And Tzad means, it means return to Hashem. But he says, Shuvah Hashem means, Hashem do tshuva. Hashem repent. Hashem do tshuva. Ad Mosai, the Rebbe said, how long? Show mercy to your servants. And then it says, Satisfy us with your steadfast love that we sing for joy all our days. In other words, we pray, repent Hashem. Repent kivyochel as it were of the way you have treated us. How long will you merely show mercy to your servants? In other words, how long will your repentance only extend as far as showing mercy to your servants and relenting from all the evils and sufferings which are afflicted upon us? For if your repentance would only extend that far, then we would remain in the same degraded state as we were before the war began. Instead, he says, Satisfy us at daybreak with your steadfast love that we may sing joy all our lives, that, it were, that is, as it were, to be truly repentant. The same way that by tshuva, by a human being, <clears throat> it's not enough for a person to regret what he has done. Although that's the beginning of tshuva, to regret what you have done. What the Rebbe is saying is, kiviyochel, the same way by a human being, that a person has to be makabu, mikan lahaba, to accept from now and on, that things are going to be different. So the Rebbe called out, because of his amun in Hashem, it's not God forbid that he's defying God. We're going to talk about this later on in the Kinas, that Hashem has given us permission to, to cry out of Emunah. 
out of belief that the same father that gave you a patch is the one in whose lap you can you can cry. So the so the Rebbe during the war is crying out, Shuva Hashem Admosai to do Shuva Kivyachal. And it's not enough to regret what's already happened to the Jewish people. That's not enough. Because you taught us in your Torah that that in order to have complete shuv, you have to you have to accept upon yourself from now and on that it should only be good and to correct things and to fix things in a way that's only good. And that's what it means in Pasuk, Shuvah Hashem Admasa Number one, to repent and regret what you have done. But more than that, Hashem, fill us with your chesed. Be in all the things that have happened to us that there should be no more suffering, there should be only there should be only good. And that's the concept of Chuvas Hashem that emerges from this first kingdom. In this next uh, in this next kina, <clears throat> continuing with the end of the one that we just said, my temple is abandoned by Hashem, the next kina You'll notice that every single every single stanza ends with Vatamali Pai Mali Didi Pai And now what have I here? What is my beloved doing here? And so on. The word po is being constantly repeated throughout the throughout the Piyut. is there no prophet here of Po, nobody is able to come here and so on. <coughs> I saw that uh, one of the great Bali Musa of Olbi explains in the Elishur that the emphasis on the word Po is that the Tachlis of the creation is that the Shechina should be Po, that Hashem's presence should be here in this world with us. As it says in the Medrash, the purpose of creation is that the Barnishim should be able to dwell with us here in this world. <clears throat> we see that the Shechina is described in different places in Tanakh, like a bird that is fluttering from one rooftop to another and can fly. And the yon of the bird cannot find a resting place, cannot find some place to, to settle. So what happened, <coughs> Ravalbi explains, is that what caused the Shechina to act in such a way where the Shechina Kivyochel is jumping from rooftop to rooftop and the Shechina can't find a comfortable place in the world. That was the, the entire Tishbav is is basically one great keynote for the reality that we're in right now, that that, that Kashbaruch was not here. At the giving of the Torah, that Hashem said, here, stand here with me. And the whole tachlis of the Bria is that Kashbaruch should be here, should be Po. So Revolbi explains that the reason that Hashem is described, the Shekhin is described as a bird wandering from place to place that has no place to settle itself, has no Po. No place in the world is because <coughs> the human being is not settled. And the question that Hakadosh Baruch Hu asked Adam Arishna Ayaka, where are you? Ayaka, where are you? So the Gemara says, Anata Libcha, where has your heart? Where has your heart turned? Where has your heart turned? So Avolbi explains that the question that Hashem is asking Ayaka is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu expects to see every Jew each morning in Minyan. HaGosh Baruch Hu expects to see every Jew as much as he can to go to Besmedush. If he's not able to be in Yeshiva, then at least at night he should be Kaveitim for Torah. HaGosh Baruch Hu expects each day that a Jew should say Tehillim. HaGosh Baruch Hu expects that each day a Jew should try to give Tzedakah, to try to do Maisim Tovim. HaGosh Baruch Hu looks at that place where he expects you, 
and you're not there. So he says, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be power, modi modi, with me here in this place, saying, tell him, learning, doing a mitzvah, giving tzedakah. But instead, you're not here. You're someplace else. So because the human being is no longer here, where Akash Baruch expects him, and the human being himself is fluttering like a, a, a bird that's lost, wandering from one place to another, and that's what Golis means, Ayaka, where are you? And Akash Baruch is calling out, Ayaka, which is the letters Eicha, you want to know how is it that the Chorban has, has come about? Because I, I have come every single day to this place, and I have come, and you're supposed to be here, and you're supposed to be accomplishing something in your life, and you're not. Therefore, since you have made yourself into a bird that jumps from one rooftop to another, and you can't find yourself comfortable in Torah and Mitzvahs, and you're not living up to that level that you're supposed to in your life, the Gashbar Kivyach makes himself as a bird that also jumps from place to place. And because the Shechin is not settled in one place, <clears throat> that's why all the suffering, all the sorrows of Golas have, have befallen us. So that's what this whole keen is about. <clears throat> it's the outcry of a Baruch Hu to each person to try to settle himself, to become permanently established in the Ohel of Torah, to become permanently established in Tefillah, to be a person who's, who's settled and established and confident in his Yiddishkeit. But to the degree that we can't stay in one place and we turn from one thing to another, that Kiviyachal causes the Shechina to turn from one place to another, not to be settled with us. And that's what this Kina is all about. This, uh, this Piyut, this Piyut is based upon the, upon the, uh, the mice that happened in the, they were told of this historical event, the Gemara there in Gittin tells us, about how 400 of the children of Yushalayim, boys and girls of Yushalayim, were being taken away and being sent to Rome. And there the intention was in Rome that they should be used for immoral things. So on the boat, the children didn't know what to do, that all husband of what they should, they jump into the war, they should, should they commit suicide. This is all Shailin Halacha, as you well know. And this, this Gemara is one of the Yisaitis in trying to understand as a personal, in such a situation where the person knows that he and the Gemara tells us they had, they had, Spontaneously, there was this Ruach HaKodesh, and they understood a certain drasha, and they had a certain posse, they understood a drasha, and Lamaisa, all the children jumped off the boat, and the children killed themselves. This, this capital, this piyot that we just read, was a kina, was a hesped over the greatness uh, of the children. Towards the end of this capital, it says, Hashivenu shivu kivo yam, in English, bring us back to life in the hereafter, they cried out. So before the children jumped off the boat, they were crying out, Hashem, bring us back, we believe in you, bring us back to life later on. In the next world, they cried out, as they sunk into the sea's depths, as they united themselves with a solemn pact to cast themselves into the sea as one. They sang song and praises, as Yisrael did on Yamsuf at the Sea of Reeds, chanting, because for your sake we are killed in the depths of the sea. So the, <clears throat> the Mekoinen is telling us that the children, as they were going, as they jumped into the water, they sang, they sang the Shira as the Shira was sung by the Jewish people when they crossed through the Yamsuf. So the children, when they jumped into the ocean, were singing, this, were singing a song, were singing Shira. So what's this Shira over here? I mean, what's the song? We understand that the children are crying and begging out of belief that they should be returned 
by Tchizamesim, they should be alive by Lamhaba. But Lamaisa, what's the Shira? What's the song of the children as they jump into the ocean? It's being compared to the Shira of Yamsuf. So the Talzer of the Shirei Das, from the deepest swarm, Shirei Das, and the Talzer, the Talzer Rosh Hashiva, he explains that on Tisha B'Av, we all know we don't say Tachnun. Because Tisha B'Av is called by the Navi a Moed, a Moed. So a Moed we translate as Yontiv. But the Talzerov explains that really the meaning of Moed is like the word Ohel Moed. Moed comes from the word Va'ad. Moed comes from, means to meet, to encounter, a place where you meet Hashem. That's why it was called the Ohel Moed. That was the tent where Moesha Rabbeinu Kivyocha would encounter the Rabbeinu Shlelem. So the Telzerov explains that there are different ways that we meet Hashem. On Yontiv, when it comes to the Yontiv, we meet the Rabbanishim with joy, with Simcha. On the Sholosh Regolim, those are Mo'adim, the Simcha, the Sosim. We meet Him with a feeling of joy. We meet the Kaddish Baruch Hu as He performed miracles for our people and redeemed us and saved us from our enemies. That's how we meet Him on Yontiv. On Yom Kippur, it's also a Moed. On Yom Kippur, we meet HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Midas Adin, and we beg HaKadosh Baruch Hu for forgiveness for our sins, but we're meeting Him also there. So when it comes to, when it comes to Tisha B'Av, so the Telzerov explains why is Tisha B'Av called a Moed? Why is it called a Moed? <clears throat> so the morale says, Ha'amunna The morale says that when a person is filled with Amunna, and I think this really captures the whole Yontiv of Tisha B'Av, the Maral says that when a person is filled with Amunah, when a person has complete and total Amunah, that brings him to Shira V'Simcha. Those are the words of the Maral. When a person has total Amunah, complete, complete faith to understand how Jews, how our Zaydis and Bobbies walked into the Geshe and singing Shira Takarish Baruchu. When a person has complete and total Amunah, when everything is clear to the person, then the person sings Shira. Then the person is able to sing Shira. So what happened over here, this song of the children as they were jumping into the ocean was not a song that came from Simcha. It wasn't a regular song, the song of like Kriyas Yamsuf. But the Simcha that they did have that brought them to Shira was the song of, of Jewish people, of children encountering a Baruch meeting with Hashem. And since at this point the children felt in a very deep way that their fate is not in the hands of the Romans, but their fate is in the hands of a Baruch And they expressed their belief they express their complete belief that they're going to come back with therefore they were able to sing a shira like the shira sayom like the shira sayom because the greatest joy that a Jew can have is knowing that he's with Hashem believing completely in Hashem and that's how by the way we can answer the question that some of the Mepharshim is how is it possible that that the Novi was able how is it possible that the Novi was able to, to say to say Eicha. Since we know that there's a cloud, there's a rule in Halacha that Nevoa cannot be Shaira on a person, that the Nevoa cannot descend upon a Novi unless he's in a state of joy. So the question before Hashem asks is how could Yumyo possibly say Nevoa? How could there be Nevoa in such a way where he's talking about the Chorban, about the death and destruction of Klai Yisrael? So how is it possible for Yumyo to say Nevoa? Since he's lacking in the most basic criteria, the most basic prerequisite for Nevoah is joy. A Novi who is not in a joyous state cannot experience Nevoah. So how is it possible that Yemiyo was able to say Nevoah? 
So according to what we're learning here from the Telzerov, the answer is Boshin. That the joy that a person has doesn't mean that he's happy. It doesn't mean Davka that he's been that things are going great. The greatest joy that a person can have is knowing that his life is meaningful. Is knowing that his life means something. That Baruch Hu is there. Kash Baruch Hu cares. I don't know if any of you have heard there was a psychiatrist by the name of Viktor Frankl. I'm sure some of you have heard of Viktor Frankl. He was one of the great psychiatrists in Europe before the war. And he, was, he lived through concentration camp. He developed a certain theory in psychiatry and a theory of therapy called logotherapy. I don't know how seriously this is taken nowadays. Viktor Frankl was not a religious Jew. But he was a very, very big believer in Hashem. And he wrote this book, Man in Search of Meaning. And in the book he develops a new form of therapy. I don't know if it's new. I mean, it's the, I think it's the therapy of the Torah. Where instead of concentrating, instead of focusing so much on what has been in the past, which is the which is Freudian therapy, I mean, I'm speaking, I'm a total Amaris, so I know there are people here that, that know this sugi very well, and I'm just speaking with Amaratsis, but from what I understand, that a great deal of therapy concentrates on problems of the past. And there are certain very, could be very subtle things of the past, and we, of course this is true that the past influences a person, there's no Shiloh. But the problem, from what I understand with a lot of that is, the belief that a person can't climb out of the past unless he understands completely every single thing that happened to him. <clears throat> unless he understands all the things of the past, he can't establish a healthy future. So Viktor Frankl, who lived through the concentration camp, said that he saw in concentration camp that the Jews who were able to survive, the people who survived were those who found meaning in life who found a purpose for the future. Because if you were focused on the past, my father said, my father told me, that they used to have the same conversations every night. When he was lying there on that plank, in the wooden plank in Mauthausen, he said that the guys, when they would come back from an unbelievable day of schlepping, of torture, so they would lie down, they would fall down on the planks in the, in the, in the barracks there, in the concentration camp, and inevitably... Somebody would begin with a krechs and would start to talk about, I, I remember, but my mother used to make a cholent. I, my mother made a cholent. And then the other one would say, yeah, but your mother's cholent, I'm sure, was delicious, but it couldn't have been like my mother's cholent. The other one would talk about a kugel. And they were krechs about the cholents and the kugels. And then they would talk about, do you remember what it was like? Do you remember what it was like when we would hear the bob of a rov, the Rebbe Rebbe Ben used to, used to sing Slichas, what it was like to hear davening a kol nidre from the Bab of Arav. And do you remember what it was like, <clears throat> what it was like to hear the duchening in our shul, and this one would talk about his shul and his town. And they tried to find things from the past, my father said, to be machazik themselves. But that what would happen inevitably, my father said, this was the seder every night. That what happened inevitably is that these memories of the past, they would, they would of course, awaken within within those within, the, within the, the inmates, memories of other things. And that people would begin to say, but what's my, what happened to my wife, my wife, my children, my children? they begin to cry. And my father said there would be this horrible kina that would rise up from the whole chavra, that they would begin to scream and to cry. What happened to our children? What happened? We're talking about our mother's children. Our mother herself is a children. We're talking about Zaydi's davening and Zaydi's not davening. And they would begin to cry and they couldn't bring themselves out. 
My father said that those who were living, those who were able to survive, were the ones who were able to stop and to say, maybe we could find one of our children. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Maybe with Bez Hashem, Bez Hashem, tomorrow will bring something different. And once again, we'll be able to hear Zemirs, and we'll sit by a Shabbos table, we'll have a child, Zalzain, it'll be good. It'll be good. And only those people who are able to have a moon in the future, who are able to find meaning and purpose in their lives, were able to, to live another day. We're able to live another day. And my father remembers that, he used to tell me that there were people, <clears throat> you, could tell, you could tell right away when there was a Jew who was going to die. And it was a question of an hour or two. My father said that, I once spoke to you about this, my father told me that, that one of the main preoccupations that the Jews would have in the concentration camp at this point, when the Germans, it was ready, the end of the war, they were letting them just rot. They weren't even, at the very end, they weren't even taking them to, to work anymore because the, they were just riding away and they weren't giving them to eat. So my father said they used to sit around all day picking lice from the, from the head and from the body. All over the body there were lice. My father said they were larger than mothballs, the size of the lice. My father said they would spend all day picking them out from the bodies. And you could tell, my father, you could tell that when a Jew stopped doing this, when he stopped picking out the, the lice, my father always tells me he has such a hakar as he has no tightness against these bugs. He has no tightness. And I remember we were telling him how the children were going to have their hair checked. In all the girls' schools and the yeshivas, they check the children once in a while that a child comes down with the lice. So my father was telling me, I have a tremendous hakar as not that I want the children to have it, but I have such appreciation because if not for those bugs, I don't think I would have been able to live because, because there were days where I could find nothing in the world to live by except my one purpose. That was what? To try to get rid of that one life that's making me mishugah. This one particular one, i got to get rid of it. My father said it gave him a certain purpose for the moment. And each moment there was another purpose. And Viktor Frankl wrote a book. This book, Man's Search for Meaning, Man in Search of Meaning, in this book, he develops a, a system of therapy where the icker way to strengthen a person to bring him out of sadness and despair is to show him that he has a tachlis with his life, to show him that there's a purpose in his life, there's something to do with his life. That's what this keen is about. The children were able to sing shira because they said they believed that there's a hereafter and they believed there's a purpose in their suffering. And that's the and that's how Yemiyo was able to say in the Vua, even though he was so sad. Because Yemiyo Hanavi believed one hundred percent Chesedu Mishpat Ashira that we encounter Hashem sometimes in good ways and we encounter him sometimes in suffering. The main thing to know is that when a Jew is being punished, when a Jew is suffering, that there's a reason for his suffering. And to teach him how to change his life, to teach him how to move ahead, that there's a purpose. The Mela the Novi was able to say Nevoah because he had this joy, this reassurance in his emuna that everything has a tachlis. And that's what that kina, that's what this kina is all about. And it concludes with the words of Ura Lama Sishan Hashem, why do you seem to be sleeping? Knows we believe Hashem that you will one day be awake and we will see once again your Nisim and your Neflos. Now, let me just mention here for a moment this capital of Arzei Halavonai Adirei Hatar everybody knows this is talking about yes, the Sarah the ten Tzadikim the martyrs who were killed at different times it didn't all happen at one time Rabbi Kiva the Chaveirov the Tzadikim now 
what is this exactly doing in the middle of all the kinas? In the middle of the kinas, we understand that there were ten astounding tzaddikim, tanoim, who were, who were murdered by our enemies, by the Romans. But the way that this was placed in the middle of kinas, this is a very, very deep subject in Tyra. Just say for mamish for a minute. When we say at the end, when the Navi says at the end of Eicha Lomel and Netzach Tishkachenu Tazvenu Laruchyomim Lomel and Netzach Tishkachenu, Hashem, it seems that you have forgotten us forever. <clears throat> the word Netzach forever, you know, Nitzchias means eternity. So the question of Lomel and Netzach Tishkacheni is really a very deep question. It's not just asking. It's not asking just why have you seemed to have forgotten us forever. But the question is as follows. And this is a very good kasha. We don't really have a, a good terence for it. We don't have a good terrorist. We're waiting to hear the terrorist. The question is, look, Akash Baruch Hu, if you're punishing us because we weren't concerned enough with Torah and Mitzvahs, if that's why we're being punished, if that's why we're going through all the years of Golas, it's not clear to us, why have you taken Torah away from us? I mean, the whole <clears throat> the whole cure to every, the cure that we need, you want us to do tshuva, you want us to improve. So why are you taking the Rebbe Akiva away from us? In other words, this concept, which is, very prominent in the writings of the Gro of the Vilna Goin, which is called Golas HaTorah. That the Torah isn't Golas. In other words, we have fallen so terribly in the level of Torah. In other words, the greatest chisarin that we have in the world is that Torah is missing. We don't have any more Vilna Goin. We don't have any more Aragachov. We don't have any more Abes Yosef Arambam or Rabbi Kiva. So the, so the, this king of, of, this is the this is the etzim hagolus. I mean, lomal anetzach means why Hakadosh Baruch Hu have you taken away from us things of nitzchius? That's why you taken away from us those things that could bring us eternal life. You want us to be better. So how how is this improving? By causing us to lose so much Torah. If you look at the Svardisha countries, the Torah was greatest in the Svardisha countries: Spain, Spain, Italy. These were the countries, Morocco, these were the places of the, of the Adire HaToyer, of the Rishonim of Rambam and Ramban, and the Beis Yosef, and the Rechaim HaKadosh. And look what happened, Yorit Peloim, that there was a loss of yeshivas, the yeshivas were closed, were destroyed, and so many of the Jews lost their connection to Avaitis Hashem. And look what happened in Europe, all the Tzaddikim and Kedoshim, that the greatest Goinim were killed. The great promise of Klai Yisrael, the Tamid HaChacham, Rabbi Menachem Zemba, and the Rashi Yeshivas and, and Rabbonim that were killed. So this is a hard thing for us to understand. You want us to get better, then why the Nitzchi? Why take away from us our, our, our connection to Netzach, our connection to Nitzchi is? So we understand that the problem of Golis is that because of all of our Daigas, because Hashem, He brought us into Golis, Mimela, it's so difficult in Golis to, to, to manage, and we have to worry so much about a Parnas and other things, so we don't have time to concentrate on Torah. Now, <clears throat> the Torah is called the right hand of Hashem. Hashem's right hand is the Torah. So when we speak about Golis, it says in Pasuk, we already said before in the Kedah, that the right hand of Hashem is, is behind Him, is hidden, which means... That the Torah is missing in our lives. And that's when we dive in Laman Yelchotzen Yididecha Hishia Yemincha Vaineini. The Gashbaruch are waiting for your right hand to be freed. And the right hand is Torah. That if you want us to get to do tshuva to get closer to you, you have to help us learn more Torah. You have to make the Golis easier. You have to give us a Parnosa Kivyom. You have to give us 
a life that will enable us to, to, to return to Torah, to study Torah. But can you imagine the tiny that Hashem has on a person when people sit around, God forbid, on a Sunday morning and they're wondering, what can we do today? One of the greatest things that people suffer from in America is boredom. And people are bored, I have nothing to do, what am I going to do today? What are we going to do? A person sits back, he already finished his whole packle, he finished the New York Times, until he's getting crazy, he's trying, you know, he's reading ready to help wanted in the New York Times. And what am I going to do? I'm bored. And I've read, and I've read that, that a lot of the suffering of people in, the, in, in America, Befrat America, where there's, where there's more time, is that people are suffering from boredom. They don't know what to do. So, if we're sitting around, we don't understand why the Torah is in Golis. So we're saying that, what do you want from us? If, we're, if we have to work so hard for Panos, we don't have time to learn. But if we have time, and we're not learning, so we have to dive in Hashiach, and bring more Torah into our lives. Here I have time. We have more time now. Alright, a person comes home at night, he's exhausted if he has a hard day at work. But when there is time, are we learning? When you have a long Shabbos, Shabbos now is hours and hours. It's possible to sleep for a few hours and to still to put in some time to learn. That there should be one night a week. Rabbi said, I'm hoping that we can establish this year in the Bitsmedrus this coming year. After the Yom Tov, we should be able to establish that Thursday night that we should have a Mishmer. Why can't we have Thursday? We're, we're, we're starting a library. Within the next two, three weeks, we should have a Bitsmedrus. It could be that we, get, we should have to start something that every Thursday night, that parents can come with their sons, that the fathers can come with their sons to learn Torah, that at least one night we should put in a few extra hours to learn with the children in Chavrusa. I'm sure I could find Bachrum and, and, and other people that will come, and if someone wants to have a Chavrusa, everybody can have a Chavrusa. If a Jew wants to learn, we can learn. So why can't we have it that we should have the cult Torah, that the fathers, the best thing to bring parents with children is that they should learn with the children. And if you're sitting in the house and learning with a child, there are a million distractions. The phone rings. The kid has all of his all of his tchotchkes over there, two feet away from him. He's already nervous that he's going to miss something. You bring a son. You bring your child to Bismedrish. You sit with him in Bismedrish to learn the chazra over the Mishnayis. He learned that week. The chazra over the Gemara. He learned that week. The chazra the Chumash. He learned that week. How beautiful it would be that that would bring us close to our children. That would bring us close to Torah. So this Kina here, what he's crying about, what the, what the Mekoinen, what the Kalir is crying about, I don't know, this is in the Kalir? <clears throat> what the Mekoinen is crying about is the Golos of Torah. There's a teaching from the Heilige Bnei Soscha, the Bnei Soscha said that if a person is learning, and he has a kasha, I mentioned this to one of Chavayim the other day, if a person is learning, and you're learning, you can't figure out the Gemara, it means you tried, it doesn't mean that you're just sitting there, you know, and it, you're trying. And you can't figure out Pshat and Gemara. You can't figure out Pshat and Posik. But the Esosha says that there's a Kabbalah from the Tzaddikim. That at that moment, the person, <clears throat> at that moment, the person thinks about the Golas of Torah and thinks about the death of Tzaddikim and thinks about the destruction of the Besamekdash and the person begins to cry over what's happened and he begins to daven for Geula. So that person can, can remember, can, will be able to understand his learning. Because the whole reason we don't understand learning is because of Golas. And the loss of Torah. Therefore, if a Jew doesn't understand what he's learning, he strengthens himself by davening for Mashiach and by thinking for a moment about the destruction of the Beis Amikdash and the death of the Tzaddikim. And that by doing that, the person's mind is cleared because the person attaches himself to redemption, which is the remembrance of Torah, which is to remember Torah. And Mimela, that's, that's the Pshat when we end the davening, we say, 
We daven she abonah beis hamikdash meheb yameinu b'seichal kainim b'seresecha. What does one thing have to do with the other? That we daven for the building of the beis hamikdash, and we say b'seichal kainim b'seresecha. May we we have our portion in Torah, because we understand that if we long for the building of the beis hamikdash and for the restoration of the of Torah and the Sanhedrin, that itself will bring back the remembrance of Torah. So this capital, this kina, is a kina over the laws of Torah. Of the laws of Nitzchias, of the law of Nesach Tishkachenu, and our tefillah that that we that Kashbrok should bring us closer to him by restoring to us the study of Torah. <clears throat> the next capital, the thirty-first Lamed Aleph, <coughs> which has the uh, it's a famous capital, the, the contrast between Mitzayim Mitzrayim and Mitzayim Mishalayim, the splendor of the Jewish people and the joy when we left Mitzrayim, and the disgrace of Knesset Israel when we left Yerushalayim, and the end, of course, with the hope of the, of the joy when we return to Yerushalayim. But in, the, but in the second line of this capital, it says the whole purpose of Kinas. It says, Kinim Aira Laman Azkira Mitzayim Yerushalayim. But I shall arouse lamentations so that I'll so that I'll remember <coughs> what happened. Lamanas Kira. So the the, the is telling us the tachlis of all kinas. The tachlis of all kinas is Lamanas Kira. There's no tachlis that's just a cry over something that happened in the past. The cry over something that happened in the past, <coughs> the Nesivas talks about this in his introduction to this commentary on Eicha. The stand to tell of its sorrows that we went through and to remind ourselves of all the sorrows. What's the toalis? What tachlis is there? What tachlis is to remember tsaris? You know, <clears throat> the question about, I'm not getting into any, you know, b'chlal, I, I stay away from any political discussions, but the whole lineage of, of how much Jewish money and how much effort should be put into Holocaust memorials, not God forbid that there shouldn't be a remembrance, but the whole tachlis of, mem- of remembering all Jewish sorrows is. Is to remind ourselves of the seed bites that brought it back, that brought about the Churban. Stam, to build Holocaust memorials that secular people make in our deserve from these memorials, and that to remind ourselves <coughs> of Lamanas Kira, that what could we do to try to correct the situation? What can a Jewish person do to make his life more meaningful? So, if a person doesn't ever come to that question of what are the Sibais, what Lamanas Kira, to remember what happened. In the Maisi, you see that the Norvi Yemiyo says, you know, Yemiyo, as I mentioned before, was written before the Chorban. It was actually 18 years. Yemiyo wrote Eicha 18 years before the Chorban. <clears throat> and the Norvi, it says, the Norvi Ula Yishmu Beis Yehuda has called Hara, that maybe when the Jewish people are going to hear all the, all the evil, all the terrible things that Shavanoichi Choyshev Lasis Lahem, Hashem says, maybe when Klai Yisrael will hear all the things that I, terrible things that are planned, if Chalilah, they, <coughs> they don't do tshuva. So Novi says, Laman Yeshuvu Ish, that Halavai, the reason should be, Laman Yeshuvu Ish, Midarka Hara, V'solachti, L'avoynim L'chatoyisam. That's what the Novi says. That the reason that Yomiyah said the book of Eicha 18 years before the Chorban, Chai years before the Chorban, was that Klai Yisrael should live. The Klayosol should hear before what could happen, and, and, by, and by thinking what could happen, and remembering what has happened, that's the Pshat of Kinema, Ira Lamanas Kira. 
And that's what the whole tachlis of this capital is, to remember what, what it was like. Oh, it was so good when we left Mitzrayim, and the disgrace, it was so bad when we had to leave Yerushalayim. So let's work on ourselves that we should bring ourselves to a, to a matzav that we'll be worthy to return to Yerushalayim. There are kinos that were composed by Sadiq and Mashashivas, rabbis after the war, that are now being printed in the in the standard text of the kinos. They were, used to be handed out in separate pages. The old kinos, of course, uh, don't have them, and there shouldn't be any more kinos added. And uh, I just want to, I just want really to to read. A little bit to, together, I mean, if you have it, look inside the Kina in the art scroll, it's on page 392, the Kina of Rav Shimon Just to read a little bit, if you have it, if not, and I'll, I'll just say a little bit and translate into English. <coughs> so this is something that we know from our own Mishpachas. He who remembers those who remember him. Each generation, its holy ones, since the time you have chosen us, may he remember the gruesome fate of the last generation. Those who were swept away by the flood of blood, who sacrificed their lives, all who were submerged in valleys of tears. May Hashem think of them in the lands of eternal life. May their memory be a blessing for all eternity. Lift up your hands to him. Roll over the best of Yisrael's tribes, communities, and congregations, cities and districts, fraternities, foundations, all rendezvous with God. If only streams of water could pour down from eyes towards waterfalls of the rivers of tears, for the thousands times thousands of corpses consumed in the fire of destructions and horrors. For the princes of Torah, the pillars of tradition, for the young flowers of the priesthood, for the diligent scholars, the men, teachers, and women, and the precious children in school, the trusting daughters, the elderly grandparents, and the offspring, and the infants whom they bore everyone, including the myriads beloved in life, not parted in death. Seek out their blood when you take the count of all the scattered rent leaves of every life perished, the days of destruction and calamity, 6,000 times a thousand. An entire third to be destroyed by the blitzquake's fury, but of the cherished vineyards you dearly, you dearly loved, you dearly loved, or avenger of blood, the memory of their misery, please do not erase in the book you have written. Remember the moans and tumultuous screams when they were herded for slaughter. May the rivers of their blood and tears on their faces not be forgotten forever. Every tremble, every groan, every piercing cry of those torn asunder by hordes of dogs. Remember and count them, collect them in your tear flask till the time the degraded one's shame is avenged. In the barbarians' camps <clears throat> were pain and sickness, the anguish of mortified souls, insults and mockery, shame and spit, searing wounds from horrible blows. Hunger, thirst, frenzy, sorrow, the faint stumbling without any strength. Every death battle of every, of every forlorn one, far be it from you to forget. The pillars of smoke, the fumes from furnace, piles and piles of bones and sinews, poison-filled halls. The roaring sound of the multitude choking in gas chamber. The stench of the bodies, the tortured corpses, fertilizers for the soil of the blasphemers. How the tormentors turn their fat into soap and human skin into feminine adornments. Remember the finger motions of the savage officers, to the right, slave labor, to the left, the shadow of death. Remember how the sharpshooters shattered those digging their own graves, loading them to the depths and the agony of the grave. 
and how they afflicted our sisters and mutilated our daughters, doses of poison from sadistic doctors, and fugitive survivors in burrows and bunkers, and the disappearance of children in the houses of apostasy and monasteries, unblemished sheep completely consumed, the blood of the diasporous children, by our real for the corpses of your devout ones. Who could count the sacred flock whose flame will never be extinguished? Your tested ones were sanctifiers of your name. With the cry of Shema Yisrael, they gave up their lives for Hashem so that He might gather them in. Until the very last day, they justified His judgment and called on Imamid and sang a song of trust. And now, a people is left bewildered as an orphan, without graves in which to pray, without tombstones where to weep the laments of emotion-filled hearts. Only blood libations are the memorials, boiling unforgettable. And the mounds of, a the mounds of ashes from their arcada are tributes from the altar's ashes. Who can expect, express Israel's torment, whose mind is frenzied by misery? The remnants of its splendor is a fraction of a bit how its pride is humbled today. El Chaim Arachim, living God, merciful one, comfort your congregation that yearns for you so mightily. Let new light shine. Let rays of glory grow. Baruch Elohim Rachafis and may Hashem's spirit hover.